Heavenly Father, we recognise that the evil one is always near us, but he is far from your law. Oh Lord, we ask that you would send your spirit to us now so that we are not far from your law. Oh Lord, we pray that your law would be our delight because it is given to us by our Heavenly Father who loves us dearly. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, this morning it is a special occasion for us as we induct Ash as a deacon at Ramoyne Baptist Church, so we'll not be continuing our series in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel this morning. We'll pick that up again uh, next week, Lord willing. But this morning I thought I'd preach on this passage from 1 Timothy chapter 3, which speaks so clearly of the officers of the church, of the Christian church. And the Apostle Paul was giving these instructions to uh, his understudy, to Timothy, uh, a young pastor, as to how he should uh, run a church and how a church should conduct themselves. We see that in verse 15. He says, if I'm delayed, you will know by these instructions, basically, how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. And so we see in the early church that there were two officers, uh, two officers within the church. That is the office of elders and the office of deacons. What is the difference between the two? Well, the elders were people who were able to teach. They were the ones who were to instruct people in the ways of God. They were meant to be experts when it comes to God's laws, to God's word, and they were able to teach people. They had the gift from God of being able to teach them the mysteries of God. But we also see that they were supposed to be of high moral character. And so we see that in uh, verse, uh, from verse 2 onwards, it says, Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. So see, there you go. You see the, the overseer, which is an, another word to describe the office of an elder. He is meant to be able to teach, but you see those moral qualifications are given before that. And then after the instruction that he is supposed to be able to teach, we then see see other moral moral qualifications that are given from verse 3 and following. And then deacons are described in verse 8. Deacons are described in verse 8. And what is a deacon? Well, a deacon is just the word, the Greek word, that is given for a servant, someone who is a servant, who serves others. And we understand that that is the office that was given by God as these people who would take care pretty much of the administration matters within the church. If you look at Acts chapter 6, you see they describe the situation that could potentially divide the church uh, when it came to uh, distributing food for widows. And we understand that uh, the, the apostles said, we need some people who we can hand this matter over to so that we can concentrate on ministry of the word and prayer that we can give ourselves over to prayer and teaching God's word rather than be consumed with trying to make sure that widows get the right amount of food in their daily allowance. And so there's all these different administration matters that come upon a church. And it is deacons who are the ones who have been appointed by God according to his word to look after these administration matters so that the elders are able to serve in the capacity that God has gifted them. It is not as though the elders somehow aren't servants No, we are all servants. If we are Christians, we have a servant king who is Christ, who has come and served us, and then we willingly serve him. And some people are given particular gifts that we recognise as a church to help mobilise us as we serve him. And so you've got the elders who are servants, who serve you and mobilise you to grow in your understanding of God and his word, And then you've got deacons who are there to mobilise you as you seek to serve him in the different commands that are given in Scripture and to help out in the different ministries of the church. 
So basically, what, is, what we understand from Scripture is, if you want to know about a church administration matter, well, you should probably go to Ash. Now, Ash is still new to the job, uh, so it's going to be difficult for him to know about all the different administration matters that go on in the church, and so he may come to the elders from time to time and ask them, what do I do about this? But generally speaking, uh, he is there to help serve you, and you are to help him as he serves the church by serving yourself. So if you spot that there's a particular problem in the church, if you can solve it yourself, then go about doing that. If you see that there's a piece of rubbish on the ground, don't go and tell Ash as a deacon that there's a piece of rubbish over there and needs to be picked up. You can pick it up. But if it's a bigger matter, that's where you go to Ash and you tell him about it and you say, what can be done to sort this out? But if it's a spiritual matter, if you're concerned about your soul or you're concerned about somebody else's soul and you want to know about something in the Word of God, that is where the elders are available to you. And they're freed up from administration matters in the church, hopefully, by people like Ash and people like yourself, so that we can concentrate on helping people with their soul rather than picking rubbish up and putting it in the bin or whatever else may be needing to be done around the church. So that is the two offices that are given to us in Scripture. There are these people who are particularly gifted to teach, and there are people who are particularly gifted with administration, and we recognise both and help them to help us as we seek to grow in grace. But what makes a good deacon? What makes a good deacon? What are we looking for in Ash? What have we looked for in Ash as we have duly elected him at a members meeting to be our deacon? Well, firstly, we understand that like the elders, a deacon is supposed to live a holy life. It's interesting how much space is given to the holy life of the elders in the qualifications that are there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and also how much is given to the qualifications of a deacon here that concern a holy life as well. Look with me at verse 8. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect. Firstly, worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They should be men worthy of respect and living a holy life. And if you look with me at verse 12, further instructions are given there as well. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. They're expected to be of high moral character. But there's also a qualification in verse 9 that is given. What's the second qualification that we could summarise there? They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must have a holy life, but they also must be theologically sound. They must be theologically sound is what is being taught there for us in verse 9. What does it mean to be theologically sound? Well, it says they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must hold on to the deep truths of the faith. Now, what are these deep truths of the faith? Well, this is where I think the NIV has a bit of a poor translation for us because literally in the Greek, it is the mystery of faith, the mystery of faith. And it's a very common word that's used for mystery there. And we then understand that something mysterious is being taught to us here about what it is that Ash should hold on to. So what is this mystery of the faith? Well, the word mystery, as I said, is a common word and it's used throughout the New Testament to refer to different mysteries uh, that we have as Christians and one that is very common. If you read Ephesians and Colossians, it often, and Paul often speaks about mystery. And what is the mystery there? Well, it's that Jew and Gentile are welcome in God's kingdom. 
such a revelation for the early church that not only are the Jews saved by Jesus Christ, but also the Gentiles are saved by Jesus Christ as well, that they come together as one church. And there is no Jew or Greek in the early church. They're all one in Christ Jesus. But I don't think that is the mystery that is being referred to here that Ash needs to hold on to. He doesn't need to hold on to that mystery in particular that Jew and Gentile are welcome in the church. I think what is being spoken of here is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the mystery of Jesus, that Ash is to hold on to as according to God's word here. Now, why would I say that it's the mystery of Jesus Christ? Why would I say that Jesus is what is translated as the deep truths of the faith by the NIV translation there? Well, the word mystery is actually used later in the chapter. In verse 16, look with me at verse 16. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. And what is this mystery of godliness? He, so it's someone, appeared in a body was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Who is the mystery? It's clearly Jesus Christ. He is the one who has appeared in a body. He is the one who was vindicated by the Spirit, by his resurrection from the dead. He was the one who was seen by angels, who's preached among the nations, who was believed on in the world and was taken up in glory. Jesus is the mystery that Ash, as a deacon, is supposed to hold on to. And I think there's a few other reasons when we consider that it's the deep truths of the faith or the mystery of faith that is being mentioned in verse 9 that he's meant to hold on to. Well, what is the faith, the Christian faith? It's not in isolation. We don't just have faith. Faith is only as valuable as what it is in. People have all kinds of faiths. What is the Christian faith? What is the Christian faith in? It's in Jesus. That's what makes it so wonderful. The faith is not wonderful in itself. The faith is only as good as what it's in. And our faith is so wonderful because it's in Jesus Christ. It's in God himself. It's in the Son of God who saves us. And so he is the mystery of the faith. If you talk about the faith, what do you have to talk about? You have to talk about Jesus Christ. And so it's Jesus who is being spoken of here that the deacon must hold on to. And I think there's another reason why we can understand that Jesus being mentioned in verse 9, and that's because Jesus is indeed mysterious. Jesus is a mystery. Why? Well, Jesus is only revealed to people by God through the Spirit. We had that reading from Isaiah 55 before, and what did we read there? That God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My mysteries are mysteries because they're not known to you. And the Lord Jesus himself speaks about his teachings. And what does he say? He says, I praise you in Matthew eleven twenty-five. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. The teachings of Jesus are a revealed teaching. It is not known by the human race. It is only by God himself revealing Jesus to people that they can know the mysteries. And it's by the Spirit. We understand that from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Jesus is a revelation 
the teachings about Jesus, the faith that we have in Jesus Christ is a revealed religion. Jesus is a dense fog for sinful humans. Philosophers, scientists, historians, they all fail in trying to understand Jesus by their own efforts. They cannot grasp the teachings that we have there in verse 16 about the Son of God, that he is the one who has come and a body vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world and taken up in glory. They just can't get it. And so it's a mystery to them. And that's why it's described as a mystery here in verse 9. We also understand that Jesus is a mystery because of the sheer depth of knowledge about him. Yes, you cannot understand him unless God reveals him to you. But even when you know something of Jesus Christ that God has indeed revealed to you, there's so much more you can learn about Jesus. It's not like ticking a box and you suddenly understand it and it's all done and dusted. No, there's so much to learn about Jesus. These things that are described in verse 16, they're still mysteries to me, even after I've been studying them for decades now. And you can find other people who have been studying them for longer than I, and they still marvel at what is described in verse 16, that he appeared in a body. Mystery, incarnation, the God, God's son becoming flesh and dwelling on this earth. It is mysterious. Who can fathom it? I can't. I believe it, but I can't fathom it. I can't plumb the depths of it. What about that he was vindicated by the Spirit? We understand that to be a reference to his resurrection from the dead. The resurrection can we fathom what that is and what that means? Being seen by angels, that the angels adore Jesus and love him and helped him while he was here on earth, that he's preached among the nations. Can you believe that, that Jesus is preached among all nations? It doesn't matter whether you're a distant tribe in a jungle or you're in a suburban jungle. He is preached among the nations. He is believed on in the world. This drives people balmy around the world. They don't understand. Why do people keep following this guy? It's a mystery to them. And it's a mystery to me sometimes why I believe in Jesus Christ and what faith actually is. What is faith? Can you define that? What is belief? It's a mystery that we continue to marvel at and that he was taken up in glory, the ascension of Jesus Christ. It's something I believe in, but it's also still very mysterious to me. And what it means that he's now in session at the right hand of God. So when we look at verse 9 and we see they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith or the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, I think it's clearly that this is a reference to Jesus Christ because he is the one that is believed in. He is the essence of the Christian faith. He is the one who is described as a mystery in verse 16. And clearly he is mysterious. People cannot know him without it being him being revealed to them. And even those who do know something of Jesus still find him very mysterious. So this is what Ash is supposed to be as a deacon. He's supposed to be of high moral character, but he's also meant to be someone who keeps hold of the deep truths of the faith. He's meant to keep hold of the teachings about Jesus Christ with a clear conscience. He's meant to be holding on to the mysteries of Christ. Now, I know humans are great collectors. Humans love to collect different things. 
They collect different valuable things, particularly children can collect things that are not so valuable. They can collect the lids of bottle tops and matchboxes and all kinds of things that are valuable to them and conceive them as valuable. But generally adults are a bit more discerning and they love to collect things that are valuable. And what is a good collector always doing? A good collector is always adding to his collection. He's always out there scanning the markets, trying to find more of what he's collecting and add it to his collection. And a good collector always keeps hold of what he already has, doesn't he? He doesn't let things go, he retains them. They're the perfect hoarders. They love to keep adding and adding and never letting anything go of whatever it is they may be collecting. And that is what Christians are supposed to be doing as well. We're supposed to be gathering truths about Jesus as valuable treasures, as valuable treasures that are only given to certain people. They're only given to certain people. Why? Because they're mysteries. They're only given by God to certain people. And Christians collect them. They collect them. They collect these mysteries that are given. And that's what's really being described, I think, in some ways here in verse 9. It says, They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Keep hold there. Uh, it's the Greek word behind that is just the word for have, a very common word, that you could have something. It's used again and again throughout the New Testament. It's one of the first words you learn if you're going to study some New Testament Greek. It's just the word for have. And it's used in different contexts. And one of the ways that it's used in, uh, in Luke chapter 19, in verse 20, is for that servant who gets a mina. You remember that parable that Jesus tells where he gives, uh, there's this, uh, this uh, official, and he gives minas to his servants. And one of them takes the mina away. And what does he do? He wraps it up in a handkerchief and stores it in the ground. And, so it's, and that word for uh, that he has it is the word that we have here. And so this is what a good Christian is doing, I think. He is one who collects the mysteries of faith and he holds on to them. He doesn't let them go. When he knows something about Jesus that is true, he never lets it go. It doesn't matter how much Satan offers him. It doesn't matter how much the world presses him to let it go. Or even his own flesh considers, I think it might be time to let that one go about Jesus becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us, that the Son of God could do that. That's just a bit too weird. And the resurrection from the dead, your flesh thinks, how can you believe in the resurrection? The good collector, the good Christian, he says, no, 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 no. I'm not letting the resurrection go. I'm holding on to it. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, I'm holding on to it. I'm not letting it go. And this is what we want in Ash. We want him to be one who owns the mystery of faith. He owns Jesus Christ. He owns the truths about Jesus and doesn't dream of letting them go. That they are so valuable to him that it doesn't matter how much the world offers him to deny the Christian faith, to deny his saviour. He will not even think about it. And I think Ash is probably going to do fairly well in making sure that he collects uh, the mysteries of the faith and that he adds to them and doesn't let them go, because I think he's a bit of a collector in previous experience that I've had to do with him. I know he collected Pokemon cards at one point. I know that his knowledge of comics, superheroes, is pretty good, so I, I ex expect that at some point he collected comics uh, to some extent. So you could ask Georgia whether he still does, whether he's hiding them in a part of the, 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 the house that they have. Uh, but he's, he's been a collector in the past. But we want him not to be a collector of those kinds of things ultimately, 
We want him, he can do that, but the, the thing that he collects the most, the thing that he's the expert at collecting, we want to be that he is an expert at collecting the mystery of Christ, the mysteries of Christ, that he knows them and he holds on to them and doesn't let them go and he continues to want to plumb the depths of the mysteries of Christ, to learn more about the mysteries of Jesus Christ. Why would we want Ash to be like that? Why would Paul want Ash as a deacon to be one who holds on? Why would he include that in the qualification? Holding on to the deep truths of faith. Why doesn't he talk there about some sort of thing to do with administration, that he should be really good at administration? Why does he say that I want him to hold on to the deep truths of faith? Well, what is Ash supposed to be doing as a deacon? He's supposed to be serving you. He's supposed to be serving so that Jesus is glorified that is the goal of what Ash is supposed to do as a deacon. And so that more people own the teachings of Jesus Christ. He wants others to be good collectors of Jesus and people to start collecting. That is his goal as serving. His goal of serving is not an end in itself. His goal of serving is so that people hold on to the deep truths of the faith. And so if he personally holds on to them, of course he's going to serve so much better in making sure that other people collect the deep truths of the faith, the mystery of faith. You think of a comic store owner. Aren't the best comic store owners those who collect comics themselves? Those who love comics themselves? That are not running a store for some other reason, you think normally financial reason, that they actually love comics themselves. And so they are the ones who live and breathe comics. And they love when customers come in to talk to them about the comics and to invigorate customers in their love for collecting comics. And won't such an owner organise swap meets and talks from expert collectors to come in and speak about the products, even at a financial loss to himself? He's just happy that these collectors will come and speak in some way to the fans that will be drawn in to his comic shop. And won't uh, such a comic store owner invigorate volunteers? He'll get people, regular customers, who he's made friends with, to come in and help set up for such swap meets so that people will come and be invigorated as they learn more and more about comics. And that's what we want to see in Ash. A love for the deep truths of the faith so that he serves well. How will he serve well? By invigorating people in the truths that we have as Christians, in the truths that we love about Jesus, by talking to people himself about them. A deacon is not someone who only does administration and never talks about the Christian faith. Just look at Stephen, one of the first deacons. He gives this long sermon in Acts chapter 7, just after he's been appointed to the office of deacon. He was able to preach. He was able to speak clearly about Jesus Christ. It's very sad, the response that he got from his sermon. But he was nonetheless, as a deacon, was speaking about the Christian faith. And we want Ash to serve well by arranging meetings for fellow gatherings, uh, for gatherings of fellow collectors, so that expert collectors can talk about the mysteries of Christ. And mobilising fellow collectors of these mysteries to set up such events so that they feel it's an honour to be part of what's going on. What am I talking about? Well, we're at one of those swap meets right now, aren't we? That's what we're doing every Sunday. We're coming together as fellow collectors, fellow owners of the mysteries of Christ, and enjoying coming together 
to be invigorated about those mysteries. What do you do when you go to a swap meet? Well, you go there to acquire more of whatever it is that you're collecting. And that's what we do here. We come together to acquire more of the mysteries of Christ, to understand more about Jesus, to learn more, and that you have these expert collectors, seasoned collectors, who get up and speak to you about the mysteries of Christ so that you can acquire more of these mysteries. This is one of the reasons why it's so important, I think, for you to attend church. God encourages you to do so, but you never know what might show up on a Sunday morning. The Spirit might reveal to you that you have never considered before about the Lord Jesus, a part of the mystery of him that you've never quite clicked for you, and it suddenly does that Sunday morning. Why do seasoned collectors continue to go to swap meets? Because they never know what might show up. Some rare thing might walk in the door and they will know, I've got to latch onto that and I'll get it. And that's what happens at church services. We've got seasoned collectors here who continue to show up. You think, why you bother keep coming to church? Don't you know everything about Jesus by now? No, they keep coming because they never know what the Spirit may do on a Sunday morning when they come together and hear an expert collector up the front sharing what he has collected about Jesus Christ. Even if it's just an encouragement to what you own, it's really valuable, keep owning it. Or are you aware of some fakes out there that you should be avoiding? This is the genuine article. That's a fake that's being broadcast in the public media at the moment or from some particular church in our city or another part of the world. That's fake, fake, fake. And so you come along and you hear from expert collectors to avoid such fakes and to not take them on board and collect them. And that's what we're doing right now then, isn't it? We're at a big swap meet. And you want to be part of that. And you want to hear from the experts and you want to speak to experts afterwards. Who are they? Well, the, the first points of call should be the elders of the church. You come along and you want to talk about a particular mystery of Jesus Christ, who should your first point of call be? Danny, Ray, Josh or myself? But how can we do that if we're running around doing administration? That's why we need members of the church to be serving, but people like Ash to be coordinating things, like you would expect at a big swap meet, that there's someone there who's doing the admin so that the expert collectors, when they walk in the door, that they're not consumed with other administration matters for the swap meet, but they're free to talk to the people who've come in and to even newbie collectors who've never collected the mysteries of Christ before, that they're available to speak to them rather than off turning an urn on or picking up rubbish. And that's why it's important that Ash be a deacon who is a collector himself of these deep mysteries because then he will want to serve well because he wants others to enjoy the joy that he has experienced of collecting. We want Ash to be a man who owns the mystery of Christ himself. He owns all the major doctrines, just like a collector owns the main issues of a particular comic. He owns number one, if he's a good collector. He owns the one where the hero kisses the, the heroine for the first time. He owns the issue where they get married. That's what we want in Ash. We want him to own number one. We want him to own the book of Genesis. We want him to own when Jesus became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We want him to own 
the application of Christ's work to his bride and to Ash himself that he has been atoned for at the cross. We want him to own the atonement, that wonderful action by which Christ married his bride. Why? So that, of course, Ash is motivated to serve. So that others then give Christ glory. So that people are able to concentrate on discussing the word with others, discussing the mystery of Christ, particularly with the elders at church gatherings. Now, is there any advice that I can give for Ash this morning on how to collect, how to hold on, how to own the deep truths of the faith as we are told that he should in verse 9? Well, firstly, he should remember that Christ is a mysterious gift from his Father by the Spirit, and so never let it go. That's what the collectors, the good collectors know. They know when they've got something precious, and so they never let it go. Never forget that what God has revealed to you about his son is so precious. There are billions of people out there who have not received that. Why would you give it up when it's such a precious gift to know Jesus Christ? You're part of an exclusive club. Don't let it go. Remember what a gift it is to have God reveal his son to you. Secondly, collect more truths about Jesus. Collect more truths about Jesus. Plumb the mysteries. How do you do that? Well, it's through prayer. You've got to ask God to reveal things to you. You cannot know him without the Holy Spirit. And the only way you can get the Holy Spirit to come to you is by prayer. And, of course, by studying. Studying the word. Studying sermons. Studying books. But always in conjunction with prayer. Asking God to help you to collect more and more mysteries about Christ Jesus. Reading the Bible or listening to a sermon is kind of like studying a comic book, uh, comic catalogue from some seller. And you're going down the list and you say, I own that, own that, own that. Oh, I don't own that one. And what do you want to do? You start to covet it. And it's good to covet the mysteries of Christ and to want them and desire them. I want to own that one too. That one's going to be in my collection as well. How else can you own the deep truths of Christ? Well, rejoice by meditating upon the doctrines that you already own. If you're a comic book collector, you get out some comics again and again and you study them and you study the artwork and you look at them and you see things afresh. You see things that you'd never noticed before and you rejoice in those things. You don't just put them in an archive and forget about them. You get them out and you study them and you notice things for the first time that you hadn't seen before and you get goosebumps as you hold it in your hands. And that's what we're supposed to do with the truths that we know already about Jesus. We get them out and we marvel again at them. These truths that are given to us in verse 16, appearing in a body, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. You get them out and you marvel at them. It's a wonderful experience. I had one at Bible study a couple of weeks ago where I was mentioning about Jesus' death once again and the goosebumps came up on my arms. I didn't share it with anybody else at the Bible study, but it, it, it gripped me again. What it means that God himself came and died for me, for Joel Radford. It's like getting out the artwork and looking at it and going, it is indeed wonderful and rejoice in it. That's what a good collector does. He will never let that go if he gets it out regularly and rejoices over it. And then he speaks, a good collector speaks, fourthly, about the doctrines of Christ to others so that he can enjoy their enthusiasm too. It's a wonderful thing when you talk to others about Jesus Christ and they get excited and you then get excited. It's like comic book collectors getting together and they, 
all get excited with one another and you enjoy each other's enthusiasm as you rejoice in Jesus Christ and you even sing about them to one another. You might think, oh, collectors don't sing. But I, there's uh, some children that I know collect Pokemon cards and there's a Pokemon TV show and even that has its own theme song. Got to catch them all. Got to catch them all. What do you want to do? You've got to catch them all. You've got to get all the Pokemon. And that's what we are doing as Christians, and that's what we want Ash to do. We want him to sing about the mysteries that he has in Christ Jesus, and we've got to catch them all. We want to have all those mysteries. And you can even speak about them, not just to others, but speak to them about, to, about them to God in prayer. Speak to them about God, the one who has revealed them, and marvel at them. Thank him for those mysteries that he has given you. And then fifthly, so firstly, remember Christ is a precious gift. Collect. Uh, secondly, collect more truths about him. Thirdly, rejoice by meditating upon the doctrines that you already own. Fourthly, speak about them. And then fifthly, rejoice in your appointment to meet the producer of the mysteries of Christ. No one is allowed to go to heaven unless they're a fan of Jesus Christ. I mean, what's the point? Going to heaven if you don't love Jesus. He's the attraction. Going to see God, the one who has produced the mysteries of Christ. He is the one that we want to see. You think of comic book fans. They love to meet the creator of whatever comic book they love. We should have that desire in us, a thousand, a million, a billionfold, in getting to one day go and meet the creator of all mysteries that we know in Christ Jesus. And isn't it going to be a wonderful day when we get there and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful deacon, servant. Remember, it's just a general word for servant. Good and faithful servant. For what? For promoting me here on earth. For going around and talking about the mysteries that I revealed to you, to others, so that they were invigorated and loved me the creator of all mysteries. So we want Ash to be one who holds on to the deep truths of faith, first and foremost. And then what? Well, we want him to relish serving as a deacon of such a great creator. And that'll just spring from this love that he has for collecting, for holding on to the truths about Christ. And we at Dremoyne Baptist, what are we to do? Well, we're to love Ash as a collector of mysteries of Christ first and foremost. And then we can love him for his administration gifts. We should love Ash because he loves Christ. That is what we desire most and then helps us to mobilise, helps mobilise us for the work of the kingdom. And all of us, we should keep on collecting too the doctrines of Christ. We're all deacons, remember? We're all servants. If you're a Christian, you're a servant of Christ. You're a servant of God, and so therefore you are meant to be holding on to the deep truths of faith. The deacons and the elders, they're just meant to set an example for all Christians to follow. And so we're meant to do it as well. How? Well, doing what I mentioned before to Ash. We're meant to remember what a privilege it is to possess the truths of Jesus Christ by the Spirit. We're meant to acquire more truths by prayer and by meditating upon his word, by studying his word and seeing what more we can learn and acquire to our collection as we understand more about Christ. We can meditate upon the truths we do understand, learning more about them. 
speaking about the truths, fourthly, including God himself, to God himself, the creator of all mysteries. We can talk to God about the mysteries that he's given us in Christ Jesus and joyfully looking forward, fifthly, joyfully looking forward to the day when we will meet the creator of all mysteries himself. And then what should we do? Well, we should relish serving as his servants so that others can be collectors, so that others can collect the mysteries of Christ Jesus too. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't own a single truth about Jesus. You're not a collector of the truths about Jesus. You have not a single one to your name. You look at these words in verse 16 and you go, what is being spoken about here? He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. What is going on here? I don't own any of that. I don't believe any of that. What should you do? Confess your sinful ignorance and rejection of Christ in the past and even maybe now. How often have you gone to church services? How often have you come to swap meets like this this morning and walked out without owning a single mystery that was spoken about in the service? All because of your hardness of heart that you don't consider anything here this morning to be valuable or any service that you've been in, that there was anything valuable worth owning for yourself. You're like someone who's been walking into comic conventions and saying, what a bunch of nerds. I don't get what they're all here for. Why are they so excited about some pretty little pictures? I don't get it. Is that you this morning? You walked in here this morning and you just don't get why people are excited. Why is the guy at the front getting so excited about these words from a dusty old book? That's a hardness of heart. You are amongst the most valuable things on the planet. The most valuable things on the planet right now. Surpass all comics and cards or whatever it may be out there that people want to collect. Start collecting today the most valuable things. Why? Because if you start collecting today, one day you will get to meet the creator of all mysteries in heaven itself, a lovely place that goes on for eternity rather than be punished for eternity for rejecting the mysteries of Christ. Start with believing now that Jesus is God's son and that he died for your sins. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you now. If you just don't get it, come to God now and ask him to reveal it. I said it's a mystery. Yes, it is a mystery. You need God to reveal it. Ask him now. He says, come to me. Come to him now. Ask him to reveal it. Start believing in Jesus Christ. Start with he appeared in a body that he took on flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit and rose to life. Believe that he rose to life. Start a collection now and then keep adding to the collection over the days and years to come. Children, I encourage you to start now. Start while you are young. The best collectors of anything start as children. They start collecting those cards and then 50 years down the track, those cards they collected as kids are worth an awful lot. And their collection has grown over 50 years to something that other collectors just lust after and they covet dearly. Start collecting the mysteries of Christ now and you will have a marvellous collection at the end of your life. You will know so many mysteries of Jesus Christ and others will be jealous. People who've only started collecting in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they'll be like, I wish 
I'd started collecting when I was your age. I'd know so much more. I'm so jealous. And you will have such a greater peace and such a greater joy. And you'll have such a greater joy as you look forward to meeting the Creator. As you have been collecting all those mysteries of Jesus over the years, your anticipation will be wonderful of meeting Jesus himself one day. So start that collection now. If you've never collected Jesus Christ before, start collecting him now. Start owning the Christian faith by owning that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into this world, died the death that you deserve, and then rose to life as you will one day rise to life as well. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we praise you as a God whose ways are higher than our ways and whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Thank you for not leaving us in darkness, but in your mercy revealing many of your mysteries to us, especially those about your Son, Jesus Christ. Forgive us for not holding on to these precious mysteries as we should and not diligently seeking to know more about the mystery of Christ Jesus. Help us to joyfully hold on to them better and so serve you better, promoting you as the greatest knowledge that humans can possess. And if anyone is here this morning and they've never held the truth of Christ, grant them some now so that they can share in our joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.